It's called Oliver Tambor's Dream and uh, it's, it comprises some four lectures that uh, Judge Sachs has given this year commemorating Tambor's centenary. The first lecture was presented at the University in, of Pretoria in February, followed by three more lecture, lectures at universities in the Western Cape. And in fact, it was at the University of Pretoria that Judge Sachs both launched his latest book last week and at the same time unveiled a bust of the former ANC president. And I'm absolutely delighted uh, to welcome uh, Albie Sachs to the show. Uh, good evening, uh, Judge Sachs. Lovely to have you on. Okay, you usually call me Albie, so I not call me Judge Albie. <laughs> okay, let's do that, let's do that. Now listen, Judge Albie, before we start talking about this particular book, let me just say, uh, I know personally how busy you are, how much you travel, uh, and it was only a year ago that we spoke. Uh, in fact, on my very first show uh, on Cape Talk, uh, when you were launching another book, We the People, where, as somebody who's just spent a very long time writing a book, how do you manage to put them out so quickly? Where do you find the time to write? I don't, I don't. Uh, this book kind of assembled itself because I gave the four lectures and then I, I realized, gosh, you know, there's enough material there for a book. The interest is there. Uh, it's so relevant to debates that people are having today uh, about the past, what's going on now, about qualities of leadership and so on. And I had superb assistance. Uh, Alex Dodd helped me with the uh, editing part. And then Andre Urdendahl got the book out in, in like three or four weeks. Uh, it, it, it was just like one little miracle after the other. But there's a lot, a lot of hard work, a lot of endeavour goes into it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, let's talk about your earliest memories of Oliver Tambor. Back when you first met him, uh, he was practising law uh, with Nelson Mandela in Joburg in, in the early 50s. Yes, I, I was a second-year law student at the University of Cape Town, only 17, and um, through the Defiance of Unjust Laws campaign, I, I led a small group of students to sit on seats marked non-whites only. Uh, so in, in that curious way that history works, apartheid created anti-apartheid. Through anti-apartheid, I met volunteer number one in the Defiance campaign was a certain Nelson Mandela. Mm. I was volunteer number 8,942 or something. Uh, so when I went on holiday to Johannesburg, which I would do twice a year, I would make a point of dropping in at the office of the only black law firm in the country, uh, Mandela and Tambor. And it was like a courtesy call. It would be crowded with people, a very modest building. Uh, and Ruth Mamparty, who was the manager, would, would receive me with, with a big smile, uh, offer me a cup of tea, uh, and then call either... Tambo or Mandela to come and say hello. Uh, they would smile and greet me and maybe give me a hug and indicate they were very busy uh, and, and I would uh, sort of nod in, in, in agreement. And at that stage, I had no idea that it would be the beginning of, of a friendship that would go over decades, uh, that would do much more than just make them or me their legal colleague, but colleagues in the struggle, in the underground, in exile. Uh, colleagues in writing the Constitution eventually appointed by Mandela to the Constitutional Court. But what lived with me during that whole period, especially the latter period, was the years I spent in exile with Oliver Tambor, working with him, beginning to convert the dream 
of a free, democratic, non-racial, and afterwards it's a non-sexist South Africa into an actual constitutional document. Mm, mm. Can you tell me, what were your first, and you, you mentioned there you couldn't have known uh, that, uh, that that would be the start of this, uh, this, long time, uh, for this long-term friendship and, and period of working together. What were your first impressions of Oliver Tambor? I think both he and, and uh, Mandela had an extraordinary quality of, of dignity, composure, and generosity. And, and they kind of all went together, and, and it was formidable, even, even at that stage. Mandela was just Nelson Mandela. He wasn't Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. That came afterwards. But that poise uh, and, and that welcome and that sense of embrace, more or less saying to me, you know, Comrade Albi, if you are wanting to join the struggle, Uh, and to to join our struggle and to be part of it. And if you believe in national liberation and democracy and freedom, you are most welcome. And and I felt that. It wasn't words. You you know, you you meet somebody and you can tell. Mm. You can tell if if they're happy, if they feel that they want to connect with you, uh, if they're intrigued. What's this guy doing here, who he is? Uh, it, It was kind of thoughts of that kind. And, and very meaningful to me as a 17-year-old. And then later on, uh, when we're actually working on the Constitution, maybe 40 years later, um, the, the richness of Tambo's thought, uh, his seriousness, his concern, um, and I don't like the word modest because it sounds, and humble, uh, you know, it sounds like you're bending down and, mm. and so on. Very proud. But people who have a deep inner pride, they don't have to show off. They don't have to be loud. You, you feel it in their stance and their conviction and their openness and their willingness to uh, take on new ideas. Uh, and and uh, that was the thought I had with Tambo whenever and, and, and always. Uh, and still um, re- resides deep inside me. Uh, to, to this day, and hence the the, the name, the the quite revolutionary, which is the uh, title of of uh, lecture one. I'm joined on the line by uh, retired Justice uh, Albie Sachs, uh, who is talking to us this evening uh, about his latest book. It's called Oliver Tambor's Dream, uh, and of course uh, has uh, been released uh, in the same year of the centenary of Tambor's birth. Uh, just uh, to to find out more about the book, Albie, where did the idea come from? When did you know that this is a book that you wanted to put together uh, about? Uh, both your friend and uh, your political comrade? I'd, I'd say about between the second and the third lecture. Mm. Uh, and there was such interest. Uh, you know, I, I sent the lecture in an abbreviated form to the Daily Maverick. Uh, the, the press picked up quite a lot. Uh, and the second lecture that I gave was on land reform land redistribution, the economic uh, property clause in the Constitution. That's such a hot issue. And I felt there was so much that I wanted to share with people because, you know, we were there when when the clause was drafted. We had uh, workshops. We had debates about it. We had various options. We'd had such important experience of, of in relation to land in our exile in Africa, in Kenya, where, where the president who'd been in jail we'd all supported, ended up locking up his, his vice president, Odinga, who was supporting the poor. 
the president, uh, Kenyatta, ended up with huge swathes of land for himself. That was the one option. Uh, in, in Mozambique, very different approach. Uh, Samora Michel refusing to restore land that his father had been dispossessed from, saying we fought for land for all the people and, and not for the president's father. And they had state ownership of, of big areas of land, and it just didn't work out. It, it was a beautifully intended uh, program, but uh, it just couldn't succeed in, in, in practice. Now, these experiences were important. We had to learn from them, and we fed them into the property clause in the South African Constitution. And then I wanted to share with the wider public why the property clause, Section 25, worked out the way it did, and in particular that it does lend itself to very active, very strong redistribution of land. Um, it's, it's, the problem is to implement the Constitution, uh, not to amend it or, or, or to try and mess it up. So often, uh, just uh, Judge Alvey, I've heard you, or I've heard people ask you, uh, or, or refer to you, sorry, as uh, as uh, you know, the the, the brainchild of the uh, of the Constitution, the, the man behind the Constitution, and I've heard you uh, rather modestly say that that's not actually the case. And I love the question that you ask: uh, if you did a paternity test on the Constitution, whose DNA would come up? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's, it's honestly, it's it's Oliver Tumble was the person who put together the foundations of the Constitution. And he saw that the Bill of Rights would be the answer to group rights. The, the, the regime then, with huge support from all over the world, was saying what we need in South Africa is power sharing between black and white, and each must have a veto over the other, which would have been very convenient for whites because they owned everything, they had everything, and they could veto any transformation and change, and we would have had race right in the middle of our parliament. And Tumble said, no, now this is in 86, 87, long before the Berlin Wall fell. It had nothing to do even with perestroika and the Soviet Union and so on. It was his own internal thinking that traditionally the ANC from 1923 supported the Bill of Rights, 1943, African claims had a Bill of Rights. The Freedom Charter was a kind of a Bill of Rights. We want a Bill of Rights. And I was a bit skeptical, to be, to be candid. I felt it would give too much power to the judges mm. and that issues should really be debated in Parliament and out in the streets through political action. Uh, but I was convinced by him that in South African conditions, we needed, A, we needed majority rule in an undivided country, which meant black people would be in the majority. It wouldn't be black majority rule, it would be majority rule in a democracy that was overwhelmingly constituted by black people. But the protections would come from a non-racial Bill of Rights that would protect people not because they were white or black or majority or minority, but because they were human beings. Mm -hmm. And that really came from, from OR, and, and he won me over. So I didn't introduce the notion into the ANC, because the ANC persuaded me of a Bill of Rights, which in a way was prophetic in terms of my life, because I ended up on the court defending exactly those rights Indeed. that Tumbo had, had uh, pioneered.
if I may just read a bit from the book on that, uh, we'll go as follows. Uh, What was the third reason for having a Bill of Rights? It was advancing this, perhaps the most profound and deeply principled reason of all that was causing my heart to race. We needed a Bill of Rights, I said, against ourselves. What would the delegate think? It was easy for me, a lawyer who'd grown up with the privileges that went with a white skin to come up with these ideas. I looked into the eyes of the audience to my joy. Instead of hostility or repudiation, I saw looks of delight. It was as though they all felt a sense of reassurance that the Constitutional Committee, fulfilling the mandate given to it by Oliver Tambor, was urging the creation of institutional mechanisms against any abuses of power from any quarter whatsoever in our new democracy. Mm. Right. Now, that mm. was 1988, before we got home. And, and shortly after I returned from 24 years of exile, uh, I was asked to give an inaugural lecture at UCT. And, and I opened with the phrase, uh, the beautiful people are not yet born, mm. uh, which I took from a, a Zimbabwean writer who'd taken it from a Ghanaian writer. Uh, and, and the next thing I quoted was, uh, from Ngugi Wationgo, a rich man's fart smells sweet. Now, this <laughs> I'm saying in 1991, uh, you know, preparing ourselves for freedom. Yeah. Freedom means the tension between perfectibility and corruptibility. That's, that's what I was saying. And so we build a constitution to aim at the ideal, but to guard against the, the corrupt. And when people ask me, what do you think about what's going on today and the public protector's report and the the constitutional court doing this, that and the other, I say, but that's exactly why we created a constitution. Mm. Uh, We we didn't know who or why or where or what. We just knew that everybody, including ourselves, was susceptible to corruption. It can be overt greed corruption. It can be corruption of the spirit, uh, corruption of morality of the soul. Uh, that's why you have a constitution. I, uh, the, the book is called Oliver Tambor's Dream. From what you knew of him on a personal level uh, and political level, what were the dreams of Oliver Tambor? What did he want to see uh, for South Africa? The key thing, the central thing, was national liberation for the oppressed African people of, of our country. That was the core. That was what he was born into. That's what he struggled for. But his notion of national liberation was not just for one section, even the majority of the population. That would liberate the whole country. And uh, it's no accident he wanted to be an Anglican priest in 1956, December. It was going to be a big one for him. He was going to marry Adelaide and be ordained as an Anglican priest. The state stepped in December the 6th. 1956, he was arrested for treason. Uh, Didn't stop the marriage, but it did stop him becoming a priest. But that sense of ethics, the centrality of ethics, was there all the time. So on the one hand, I think he would have been delighted at the extent to which we have a constitution, that people are claiming the constitutional rights, that there are mechanisms for dealing with injustice and corruption, on the other hand, of course, he would have been very dismayed at the extent to which even often very brave freedom fighters uh, had had just somehow dropped the baton uh, and, and not followed through. So um, when, when he died, sadly, uh, as, as his wife Adelaide said, when she became 
uh, a member of the House of of of, of um, it, uh, it was called the National Assembly then. Mm. Uh, when she became a member of Parliament, uh, she asked me to help her with her, what's called a maiden speech. And I said, now, Adelaide, you write it. I will help maybe correct it. And I said, focus on what you know about. She'd been a hospital nurse. She knew about health. I said, focus on that. And she started her, her speech by saying, my only regret is that my late husband, Oliver Tumble, did not live to, and I thought she was going to say become the president mm-hmm. or leading figure. She just said did not live to vote in a democratic South Africa. Sure. And sure. That, that was his basic dream, that through democracy, through rights for everybody, through majority rule coupled with the Bill of Rights, we would have a free country. Yeah. And it's amazing that our democracy is working. We've had four sets of general elections and and local government elections. We have a lively press. We have a strong judiciary. People speak their minds. And so there are many, many things that are very wicked in our country and forms of leadership that are quite intolerable. But we do have rights and people are using their rights. And for me, this is very much a continuation of, of the spirit of Oliver Tumble and a realisation of his dream. You speak very early on in the book about leaders, saying leaders can set positive examples and negative examples. He was a positive example. We learnt that if our leaders were honest and democratic, dedicated to the struggle and willing to listen to others and acknowledge failures, then those of us lower down in the ranks would feel encouraged to conduct ourselves in the same way. But if our top leader and those around him had lacked integrity and been corrupt, then soon the whole organisation all the way down would have been engulfed in opportunism, manoeuvring and self-enrichment. It seems rather prophetic in that regard that you would have uh, you would have written that. What do you think? Uh, and it's not fair, really, to ask of you to ask you to speak for Oliver Tambor, which I can't do. But it would be remiss of me not to ask what he would make of uh, today's leadership when it comes to the ANC. Uh, I'm not going to comment. Uh, and the reason I hold back is not that I don't have views. I have very strong views. But as a reform, former judge and with the judiciary today so involved in such sensitive matters, I think it's better that I remain silent. I can say at a purely personal level, uh, I, I um, worked with, um, uh, with, with uh, Susanna Zuma mm. in London years back. My late brother was on the health committee with her. I knew Jacob Zuma very well in Mozambique uh, in many years of the exile. And, and um, I worked for years with um, Cyril Ramaphosa uh, in, in, in the development of, of our constitution. So in that sense, it's not a question of personal likes and dislikes, but I have my own views in terms of qualities of leadership but I'm, I'm zipping up. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, absolutely. I didn't. I didn't expect anything less, uh, Judge Alvey. Just finally, is there any hope? Uh, do you think of Oliver Tambor's dreams still being realised uh, to 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 their fullest in the way that he would have hoped? I think. I think his dream is really incorporated into our constitution. That's mm. a dream, as it were, in words, in structures. Uh, and also in a spirit of people. Uh, I'm impressed now. I'm meeting a new generation that's often uh, harsh, radical, uh, critical of, of me and things that I was involved in and so on. But there's fire in their eyes uh, and passion in their hearts and the 
brains are dancing and, and alive. Uh, and I think he would have been delighted by that because that's exactly how he was when, when he was a youth. Uh, it was tempered as years went by. And, and um, he, he um, I, don't, I hate using the word mellowed because it makes it sound as though there's a softening of, of that intensity of belief. But uh, maybe it became richer and stronger. Uh, and I feel uh, I'm meeting so many people in South Africa today of all ages, all generations, uh, and all different kinds of backgrounds who've got that quality. Uh, and I think we still are living in a most remarkable country, and it's a very open democratic country. Uh, and South Africans, when they're not doing awful things, can be fun and lively and spirited and funny uh, and quite humorous and self-deprecating in all sorts of very positive ways. So in that sense, I'm hopeful that we're going to see our way through uh, some very, very tough, hard times that we've been living in. The book is called Oliver Tambor's Dream uh, by uh, Justice Albie Sachs. Justice Sachs, thank you so much for joining us this evening. A pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you.